now transition over, I'm going to read you two passages, and I want you to listen really carefully uh, to both of these passages. One is from the Hebrew Bible, one is from um, Isaiah Scroll, and it is a, uh, a text where you, you will hear God um, sort of speaking about something. And then the second passage comes to us from John's Gospel in the New Testament, and it's Jesus speaking uh, to his disciples. So listen to these carefully and, and see if you can catch something here. Isaiah 5, verse 1. I will sing for the one I have, I love. I will sing a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up, he cleared it of stones, and he planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press. As well, he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have already done for it? When I looked for good grapes, it did not yield anything, only bad. Now, I will tell you what I'm going to do with this vineyard. Because it's fruitless. I'll take away its hedge. It'll be destroyed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down the wall. It's going to be trampled. I'll make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it any longer. Verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the people of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. But he looked for justice there, and all he saw was bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but all he heard were the cries of distress. That's Isaiah 5. And now turning to John 15, our, our main passage for today. John 15, verse 1. I, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and it withers. These branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bill, would you come on up here and help us think through this scripture a little bit? Safe rock climbing. And if you've been rock climbing, you remember 
some of the drill, right? They want to get your focus. They want you to listen. And they teach you how to put a harness on, check the buckles that it's secure and tight, and they tell you about the, car the carabiner, and uh, about the, the top anchor, and then about the rope. And what they say with the rope, never step on a rope, right? Because you get those little grain, those little, little rocks from Joshua Tree, from the decomposed granite, and uh, it'll ruin the rope. Don't step on the rope. They're telling us over and over again, don't step, hey, hey, don't step on the rope. And then you actually get to climbing the wall, and there's a certain number of commands. And maybe you remember these. They're commands uh, like, you know, the climber walks up, and they, they say, on belay. And the belayer says, belay on. And then you walk to the wall, and you say, climbing. And then the belayer says, climb on. And you begin to scale and climb that wall, and if the rope's too tight, you'll say slack, and they'll give you a little bit more slack, or too much slack tension, and they'll give you some tension. You work together as a partner. My favorite command is when you're scaling the wall, and you look down, you're about 40 feet up off the ground, and your hands are dog-tired, you know, you, you think you're going to fall, so you just yell out, fall you know, and your voice always goes up a couple octaves, you know? <laughs> And that's the signal to your layer to really pay attention and be on it. Simple instructions from the guide, and they really come down to this. Your life depends upon staying connected to the rope. That really is what Jesus has been doing in our long series here in John 13 through 17. We're now in chapter 15. Jesus is giving very simple specific, repeated directions to those of us that are out on this adventure. He just finished the Last Supper. He knows in a matter of hours, he's going to give his life for the world on the cross. And then his ministry is going to transition and he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Just pay attention. I, I want you to hear these words. Don't step on the road. Always keep two hands on that rope. Use the right commands. Work with your partners. Jesus is on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. probably walks by the temple. It's a very important night, important conversation. And we come into that conversation here in chapter 15. Remember, James invited us, as Jesus has, to get out into the yonder, right? And he reminded us as we go on this adventure, this journey, that the pathway is a person, Jesus, and that the trailhead, this adventure, this journey, is always beckoning us beyond. It's calling us into something beyond ourselves. And Jesus is giving those final, tangible, specific instructions that we can follow. And last week we discovered in we're reminded that we're not alone. You're not alone. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you're not alone. Because Jesus says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And under the name, he's called the other advocate. He has a home. He's going to actually take up residence inside of us, individually and communally. He has a role. The Holy Spirit is going to continue and remind us of everything that Jesus 
our teacher. He's our guide. And finally, he has a passion, and that is that he would produce in this community love, more love, more love. So there's one central instruction in this passage that Jesus read. And it's this. Remain in me. And then you'll produce fruit. You can see a lot of fruit on our communion tables today. I hope even as you look at those grapes, your mouth begins to water as we talk about fruit. But here's the instruction. Remain in me. And then you will bear fruit. Now, this passage from John 15, 1 through 8, doesn't say everything about our life in God. But it does say something. And my message this morning cannot even come close to talking about all the wonderful things that are in this passage. But I'm going to say one thing. Well, really, there's two ideas. You see it on your outline. Here's the two big ideas I want to look at. One, the gardener grows fruit. And secondly, healthy branches stay connected. The gardener grows fruit, and healthy branches stay connected. First, the fruit in the gardener. In verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now that brings to our mind, he's the authentic vine, he's the real vine. And when we reflect on the passage in Isaiah chapter 5 that James has read, we understand that Israel was often compared to a vine, this vine that the gardener had taken out of Egypt and had planted in the land of Israel. These descendants of Abraham were his chosen people. And the gardener expected fruit from his people. Even reading the Old Testament, you see this analogy over and over and over again. Israel's the vine. God has a vineyard. He wants it to bear fruit. And whenever Israel is compared to the vine, you always have this disappointment after that. But you didn't bear good fruit. And then there comes this judgment. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's talking about a significant shift. And here's the idea that Jesus is getting across. I'm the true vine. I'm the real, the authentic. I'm the new vine. And your ability to bear fruit now is shifting, not because you're in the land, and not because you're a descendant of Abraham, but now your belonging to God, your right relationship with God, is not going to be geographical, geopolitical, or genetics. It's going to be because you're in close relationship with me. I'm the true vine. The same is true for us. The same is true for you and me. We can assume that if we're born in the right country or in the right time or we attend church often, that somehow that act is going to bring us into a right, right relationship with God. And Jesus says, no, I'm the true vine. It's kind of like moving your bedroom into the garage, which maybe some of you parents have done for your teenagers. But you move your bedroom into the garage, and you think, if I'm there in the garage long enough, I'll turn into a car, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Or you decide you're going to go hang out in a bakery, and after a time, you'll turn into a vine. And 
Well, you know, actually, it might work that way. You hang out in a bakery long enough, you could turn into a big bun. But uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. This is the last great I am of the seven I am's that Jesus gives in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here he says, I am the vine. Remember when Moses was talking to the burning bush and God said, I am who I am. When Jesus calls down this name, I am, throughout the Gospel of John, he's getting their attention that there's a shift. And now the focus is a relationship with Jesus. And he says, my father is the gardener. It's a beautiful illustration. My father is the gardener. And whenever you hear that, you harken back to the fact that God in the beginning created a garden. And he took the man and woman and put them in the garden and said, I want you to tend the garden. I want you to, I want you to make it fruitful. And then everything went south. That's the process. God's care his initiative, his love, his bounty, and then we blow it. And then there comes consequence, there comes judgment. And then the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that restoration is his next step. When he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener, he is telling us the garden can return. It can be fruitful again. In our world, our nation, and our lives. The garden can be restored. So the gardener intends and expects fruit from his garden. It just sort of makes sense, right? That's why gardeners garden. They want something to blossom. They want something to be produced out of that. They plant a vineyard and they want grapes, not only to eat, but to make delicious wine. In verse 2, the gardener prunes us for more fruit, more fruit. That's what he wants, more fruit. Verse 8, he wants much fruit. Verse 5, he wants much fruit. Verse 16, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit. So what is this fruit? I mean, it could refer to all sorts of things. And those who study this have suggested that the fruit represents lots and lots of things. But I want to narrow it down to the Holy Spirit's passion. The Holy Spirit has one passion. It's he reminds us of everything that Jesus has taught us. We landed on this last week. Jesus loved Jesus. Jesus loved Jesus. The fruit that the gardener is intending is that we would learn how to love more and more and more as a person, as a community. That it would be our characteristic first move in this situation. I get the opportunity to love everyone. John said, verse 13, pointing Jesus, I'm sorry, John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If 
message of the guys when you're out rock climbing. Stay connected. Check your buckles. Check your harness. Check your carabiners. Check the rope. Check the anchors. Check your communication with one another, all with one purpose. You need to stay connected to that rope. Your life depends upon it. And your joy. I can remember watching the juniors learning how to give out the commands and to belay one another. And I would stand back and watch them all look for stuff on the rope over there and look, they don't have two hands on the line. Well, they didn't check each other for safety. And I'm evaluating all the juniors because I know in a few minutes it's going to be my turn. And I want to handpick the junior that's going to belay me up that. <laughs> my life depends upon it. They really know what they're, what they're doing. <laughs> Healthy branches stay connected. The key word here is translated remain or abide. You hear that? Remain in me. Abide in me. Jesus says, this is John's word. It's the Greek word meno. And John uses this word in the scriptures more than anyone else. In fact, he uses this word 51 times. And in this passage, he uses the word meno. Remainder of life. In our passage, he made verses, he uses it nine times. Abide in me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. He's telling his disciples, like a good rock climbing guy, check the buckles, check the connection. Nine times, over and over again. Simple, but direct. What does meadow mean? What is this word to remain, to abide? But oftentimes talk about a place. Sojourn to a place and tarry there. Don't depart from this location. <coughs> Find a spot and stay there. I'm going to give you a throwback. For those of you that are old enough, great singer Carol King, her 1971 hit song, So Far. Here's the chorus. Maybe the Holy Spirit singing this. But you're so far away. Doesn't anybody stay in one place anymore? You can even sing it in your mind with me. It would be so fine to see your face at my door. Doesn't help to know you're so far away. Meno means to be present. It means to continue in this space. To be fully connected 
matter what the sheep, like cheap sins through the air, disconnected from my body. A look of horror on her face. And it's weird because she kept going for a long way, but not far enough because again, right in the middle of Pacific Coast Highway, she crashes and burns. And I ditch my bike on the corner and the traffic wants to go now. And all the spectators are not standing to look at this doofus guy in the middle of the road, right? And I go and I scoop her off the bike and her, I, I turn her over and take her to her wounds. And she thinks, you're the worst father <laughs> I could ever have. <coughs> and it's true, because I hastily connected her bike to mine. And it was in there good enough to make it a mile. But it wasn't. She wasn't connected to me anymore. But I want to remind you, this I think is so important. Our fruit bearing is not a test. It's an inevitable outcome of the connection. I want to say that again. Fruit is not a test. Now maybe evidence of something, it's obviously important for us to be looking at that. But it's certainly not a test for us to measure one another, or even to measure ourselves. Because we live in such a performance world, and let's face it, in your place of work, if you don't produce and have an outcome, you will get fired, right? That's what we're getting paid for. It's not what Jesus is saying. Fruit is a result of something far deeper and more important. The gardener's aim, though he expects fruit, is to develop a progressive and deepening intimacy and a relationship of trust between us and Jesus. We're not all at the same place on that continuum. But that's what the gardener does. That's his goal. He continually invites us. Lean back, ready to repel down. It's will you trust me? Then maybe the number one question that the Holy Spirit keeps penetrating my mind and heart with is will you trust me with me? The Holy Spirit lives in us. His passion, his love, his goal is to continue to apply to our Fruit is a result just as our obedience flows 
to guard your chairs deeply about truth. Why have the vineyards? He intends and he expects there to be wonderfully tasty fruit flowing out of his little Jesus community all over the world. He cares about the quality of the fruit as well. But Jesus has these repeated words for his disciples as they lean back and trust the Lord. Stay connected and you will bear fruit. And I want to try something that's a little bit risky. It's kind of an experiment, but this is a, a friendly crowd. I want you to begin thinking in your mind
You never take both gravity ears off at the same time. You always have one clipped in because you move from this element and you have to unclip one of your gravity ears and then clip it into the new element and then you move the second one. And that's a beautiful illustration of when you're engaged with other people and you're serving, it, it, it is a, it's a pathway to just being anchored, being connected. Thank you for sharing that. Someone else? Please. Bottom leaf is I'm going to take this 